साई सच्चरित्र चैप्टर ट्वेंटी टू अवॉर्डिंग एक्सीडेंटल डेथ्स माय ऑब्जेक्शन्स टू श्री गणेश टू श्री सरस्वती टू श्री गुरु महाराष्ट्र टू द फैमिली डेटी टू सीता रामचंद्र माय मोस्ट हंबल ऑब्जेक्शन्स आई बाव एंड रेवरेंस टू द मोस्ट वेनरेबल गुरु श्री साईनाथ ग्लोरी टू यू ओ सदगुरु ऑटोमेटिकलीकमेटिकलीकमेटिकली You alone are the creator of both the semi-darkness and bright light. You first gave rise to fear by creating the illusion in the shape of a snake, and in the end, it is you who dispels that fear. First, when there was total darkness, with neither a snake nor a rope, and therefore no room for an illusion, that darkness without a form or a shape was also filled with your presence. Later, when a form appeared in the state of formlessness, and that too in a dim light, the illusion of snake appeared. This illusion was also your own creation. This feeling of seeing things one moment and their disappearance the next is really the result of your joyful nature, which is without any change or modification, and which no one has been able to fathom. We have been doing this, uh, you know, the snake and the rope thing for I think very many years, and this is uh, an aphorism from the Vedas, where it is mentioned that there is a rope; it appears to look like a snake. Now, even in the Bible, there is a very big mention of a snake. It is on the tree in Eden, and uh, it is tempting Eve to eat the fruit. Now, every now and then, this snake, as a creature, has always come into existence. Because what is it that makes you see the snake in the rope? The one that makes you see the snake in the rope, whereas it is just a rope. is called the mind we have we have we jump to conclusions we look at an object and we immediately conclude that this is what it is and the moment that conclusion comes into the picture we have already fallen down because we have made judgments and it is the judgments is what doesn't allow us to go ahead in life so why not see that thing just as it is okay now This aphorism is also there. Best Schrodinger also said, "If you keep a cat in a box and keep poison in it, how how do you know whether the cat is alive or dead? What are the probabilities whether the cat is alive or the cat is dead? This is called the Schrodinger's cat. Okay. Now this is a very great uh, equation which is there, <laughs> and nobody is able to solve it. The idea is." we have doubts is the cat alive is the cat dead has the cat drunk the poison is the cat, is the cat still alive after drinking the poison we don't know so these are called doubts these are also called we have and finally we say anyway the cat is dead so this is called conclusions this make is nothing but a creation of a mind if you use your mind then the snake will be there if you do not use your mind and just move on ahead it will turn into a rope and faith is the most important tool in the hand of a spiritualist it is the faith which allows the person to go ahead 
and another F is there which doesn't allow the person to go ahead and that is called fear. Fear is the creation of the mind. It creates so many fears, you know. Oh, there is a snake. He's going to bite me. He's going to do this to me. So the person stays behind and says, no, no, I don't want to go. And what is it that happens later on when the day dawns? The light. Light of knowledge. It is called the light of knowledge which dawns and which shows that it is a rope and not a snake. Think about it. If you look at a snake over there, why it should be just lying in the middle of the road? Common sense will tell you that the snake is not going to lie over there for the next 10 hours. Okay. So common sense will itself tell you. So first and foremost, why do you have fear? When you have faith, you don't have to worry. You make a little noise, the snake is supposed to go away. The snake doesn't stay. Anybody in this, anybody who has gone through the jungles will tell you, the snakes do not come and disturb you. It is you, if you step on them, naturally it is going to bite you. But if you don't do anything to the snake, you allow him to pass, he will just go away. He is not anaconda who is going to eat you up. Okay? So don't worry about such type of snakes. So nothing is going to go wrong. First stop making conclusions in your mind. And mind is the thing that you need to override. Always it's the mind which creates the object. And it is all false. It's all fake. When trying to understand you, the Shrutis became silent and the Sheshnag, praising you with all his mouths, could not understand your real nature. Then how can I understand it? Baba, nothing but now interest the mind except the revelations of your divine form. And I feel like meditating upon it, bringing it all the time before the eyes. Pure perfect knowledge incarnate that you are in order to enjoy the highest happiness, we have no other way except to fall at your feet. Oh, what a manner of sitting you always have. Numerous devotees, as they come from your darshan, place their heads on your feet and overcome with an inner joy and love. And that foot of yours, oh, how does one describe it? One may say that like the connection between the moon and the branch of trees, the devotee also satisfies their strong desire for your darshan by holding tightly to the big toe of your foot. Once the fifteenth day of Krishna Paksha, that is the dark phase of the moon and the dark nights of the Ambasha, new moon, is over, everyone is naturally eager to see the moon. As soon as the night of Krishna Paksha is over, each and everyone looks towards the west, gazing intently in the sky, the hope in the sky in the hope of seeing the moon rise. Similarly, you satisfy the intense desire of your devotees for darshan at your own feet. When you sit resting your right foot on your left knee, in the space between the forefinger and the middle finger of the left hand, which resembles the two four branches of a tree, which tightly clasp the big toe near the big toe of the right foot, shines brightly the toenail which resembles the shining crescent on the second day of the waxing moon. Great is the eagerness for seeing the moon, but the tiny crescent is not easily spotted in the sky. A knowledgeable man will then say, fix your eyes on the sky from between the four branches of a tree. And then you will have the darshan of the moon from between the branches right in front of you. Even though the line of the moon is so thin, it is seen clearly from there. Blessed is a big toe with a great significance. Baba himself became Bhani Madhav, that is Sri Krishna, and satisfied Das Ganu's wish by making the sacred Ganga and the Yamuna flow from the big toe. When Das Ganu asked leave or Baba to bathe in the sacred Prayag, know that this big toe of mine is itself Prayag, so bathe here only. Said Baba as Das Ganu bowed at his feet, Ganga Yamuna both appeared at once there at his feet. <coughs> and the beautiful Pada, composed by Das Ganu on the occasion, though it was already been heard by the ever-eager listeners, which has already been given in Das Ganu's own words in the fourth chapter of Sri Sai Satcharit, 
If the listeners were to read it again, they will once again experience the same wonder as on first hearing it. Hence, in accordance with the reasoning of the moon and branches connection, Baba showed an easy way of darshan by holding his big toe between the forefinger and the middle finger. Thereby, he seemed to suggest, give up your ego and bow your head before all the living beings meditating on my big toe. This is an easy way of devotion. Now go back to the previous tale. The narration of the bestowal of grace of the devotee has ended. But now listen attentively to the wonderful story that follows. Shirdi became a holy place of pilgrimage highly sanctified by Baba's presence. Day and night a steady stream of pilgrims flowed. Many seekers in search of spiritual merit flocked there. Sai Baba, the veritable boon granting Kalpuriksha, whose presence filled with all the ten directions, directly or indirectly actually incarnated in Shirdi. Penniless and wealthy, he treated them all alike and by showing this inconceivable Leela, he ensured the welfare of his devotees. Oh, what boundless love he had in his heart! And the Brahmanyana was just natural to him. It was his firm conviction that the spirit in all beings is one and the same. Blessed is he who is fortunate enough to have a personal experience of Baba. Sometimes, to hold a resolute silence would itself be his discourse on the Brahma. Sometimes this cloud of universal consciousness and joy would be surrounded by the throngs of devotees. Sometimes his utterances would be pregnant with profound meanings. Sometimes he would talk jestingly in a light humorous vein. Sometimes he would leave aside his unusual cryptic speech and feign anger. Sometimes implied and suggestive, sometimes to be known by discrimination and sometimes open and determined. Such were his different ways of giving instructions to different people. Beyond the power of the mind, intellect and speech was the behavior of Sai Sama and his actions were simply beyond one's imagination, difficult to comprehend and quite unexpected. Long as one may gaze into his face, one's desires no, no satiety. Conversing with him, a longing grew for more and more. Listening to his words left behind a craving for it to continue and the joy it brought could hardly be contained in the heart. One may be able to count the lines of the streaming rain or constrain the wind with uttermost effort of a bundle, but where is the measure who can count Sai's miracles? But now, listen at your ease to the next story of Sai's great concern about protecting the devotees, as also of how he warded off difficult situations. How, knowing the alarming danger to the devotees, he would instill courage in them and averting their calamity, always watchful of their welfare that he was, he would confirm their faith in him. A tale in this context will entertain you, O oh, eager listeners. It will enhance your pleasure in Sai's company and will give rise to faith in the heart of a simple and guileless. May they be meek, the lowly, the poor, but their fondness for Sai's stories will increase. And if they chant Sai's name, all the time Sai will surely take them safely to the shores beyond. Kaka Sahib Mirikar was a resident of Ahmad Nagar city. Pleased with those services, the government had conferred on him the title Sardar. Equally duty conscious was his son, Bala Sahib, who was a Mamladdar of Kopargaon. And while on tour to Chitali, he once came to Shirdi for Baba's darshan. As he went to the mosque and sat down, after bowing his head at Baba's feet, conversation started. Baba asking him about the welfare of everybody. Many people were present there at the time, and so also was Madhavara quite close by. Oh, my most attentive listeners, say what the sweetness of the nectar sweet tale now. It is really Baba's marvel how he would forewarn his devotees of the calamities to befall them, along with the plan to avoid the danger and thus protect them. 
Now just see the question that Baba quite unexpectedly asked Merikar at that time. Do you really know that Dwarka Mai of ours? Baba Bala Sahib was totally at a loss to understand the question. So Baba continued. Now see, Dwarka Mai is none other than the very mosque. This is our own, very own Dwarka Mai. When you sit in on her lap, she gives you full protection as a child, and then then remains no cause of worry at all. So very kind is this Masjid Mai, a ma- mother unto the simple faithful ones. Whoever may be caught up, and however grave a danger, she will protect him there and then. He who once sits in her lap has overcome all difficulties. He who rests under her shade has really mounted a seat of peace and comfort. This this is that Dwarka, that Dwaravati. Baba then gave him Udi, placing his hand of protection on his head as Mirikar set out to go. And Baba suddenly felt like asking Mirikar the question. Do you know that the long Baba snake has also his wonder? Curling the palm of his left hand, he held his elbow with the right hand and moving that curled palm up and down like the snake had he said, so terrible he is. But what harm can he do to us? We are the children of Dwarka Mahi. No one can comprehend her power. Let us just wait and watch her marvel in silence. When Dwarkamai is our protector, how can the long Bava kill? How much can the power of the killer before that of his savior? Why should Baba come out with the explanation at this particular moment? And what was its connection to Mirikar? Everyone was most curious to know. But no one had the courage to ask Baba. And so placing his head on Baba's feet and uttering something out about getting late to reach Chitari, Mirikar came down the steps of the mosque. Hardly had he and Madhura who was with him reached the door of the Sabha Mandap, then Baba called out to Madhura saying, Come back for just a moment. He then said, Shama, you two get ready and go with him. Go make a trip to Chitri, it will be enjoyable. At once Shama came down, went to Mirikar and said, I have to come with you in your Tonga to Chitri. I will just go home and get ready. I will join you in no time. Baba says that I should go with you to Chitri. Mirikar said to him, But what will you do? Coming all the way to Chitri, it is unnecessary trouble for you. Madhara turned back and told Baba what had taken place. Baba said, All right. What do we lose? In the mantra, place of pilgrimage, Brahmin, God, Astrologer, Vaidya or Guru, as is your faith, so will be the fruit that you get. We should always wish for the best interest of others and give proper advice. Whatever is their destiny, so will it happen most certainly. Suddenly, Mirikar had a doubt. Baba's words must be respected. So he quietly signaled to Madhara saying, Come with me to Chitra. And now Madhara said, Wait, I will come, but let me take Baba's permission again. As soon as he says yes, I will come at once. I will come back just now. I was coming, but you sent me back. Baba said, Alright, what have we to lose? And then he made me sit quietly. Now I will consult him again. The moment he says yes, I will come back quickly. Whatever he says, I will do. For I am but his obedient servant. He then went to Baba and said, Mirikar wants me to come. He is taking me to Chitrai with him and wants your permission. With a smile, Sai said, Alright, if he is taking you, you go. Masjid Mai is her name. Will she ever go back on her promise? A mother is after all a mother full of love and tender merciful towards her child. But when the children themselves are untrusting, how can she look after them? Madhavarav then made obeisance and set out. He came to sit in the Tonga in which Mirikar was already seated. Both of them went to Chitri. On inquiry, they found out that the district official who were to come has not come. So they sat back leisurely. Arrangements had been made for them to stay at the Maruti temple. 
so both of them retired there at once it was past 10 o'clock at night they both spread out their cotton carpet bedding pillows etc and under the light of the lamps sat talking a newspaper was lying there which mirikar opened and began reading his attention was totally engrossed in reading some special news item when a most curious thing happened see you will find that when the first time the word comes out of the mouth of that person that is the sage it has to be followed to the t the reason is because it is not what we say as a motivated speech there is no motivated speech from a, a sage what happens is immediately he will say something and that being a non motivated speech it is full of only the divine but the moment it's a message it's a message but the moment you show a doubt even an iota of doubt that message gets rescinded you cannot use that message once again that means what suppose you are told go to chitrai and you say oh why should i go i will go after 5 o'clock i will do this first i will do that first the moment you have said these words that message has no value because your mind has come into play the mind has overridden the message yeah so because your doubt has come in so there will be no faith in what is being told to you so the doubt is what will destroy that message completely so what happens is the second time what what does madhavrao do madhavrao says okay now that you are saying uh, in america says to him uh, you come with me now after showing the doubt and then the second time he is being told to come madhavrao says to him i am sorry i have to go and ask the permission again please understand this if an instruction has been given once it is for that moment in time only and not to be taken at another point in time the instructions have been issued only for that moment the instruction changes as the day as the time as the place happens to be so don't fix on a particular instruction that just because it was given at one particular point in time it is the atal satya no it has to be followed at that moment and the next moment if you have some doubts you need to ask them and those doubts have to be clarified it's only when you get the clarification can you follow the method being prescribed to you so let us say for example here madhav rao goes to sai baba once again and sai baba says what can i do people don't people have doubts you need to follow it instantly no questions asked so what he says in the last line over here on the previous page in the mantra place of pilgrimage brahmin god astrologer vaidya or guru as is your faith so will be the fruit that they get so if you don't have any faith in the vaidya vaidya means the doctor no good will come out of his treatment if you go to an astrologer also if you have 100% faith in the astrologer then whatever he says may turn out to be true in your case some other people if they go over there listening to your story but they have an iota of doubt even 1% doubt nothing is going to work over there so it is the same as brahmana it is the same as the guru also if the guru is giving a particular instructions you need to follow it if you have even 1% less faith in your guru then nothing is going to work because there is no point so you have to follow instructions what is given on the spot 
Otherwise, if you have doubts, then that instruction stands cancelled. Remember this. At that fateful moment, a snake sat there all coiled up. How or from where he had crept in, eluding the notice of everyone, no one knew. A loose end of the uparna lay on Mirikar's waist and so that soft seat he rested quiet and fearless. As he was gliding up slowly, the newspaper made a sibilant no- sound and nobody connected the sound with the suspicion of a snake. So horrifying was the occasion, yet Mirikar was absolutely absorbed in the newspaper. It was the pune in whose mind the wild suspicion first came. And from where does this sound come? And what could it produce? So saying, as he lifted up the lamp a little, he saw the long bawa. He panicked and as he saw it, cried out softly, snake, snake. Mirikar on hearing this, lost his nerve and began to tremble all over. Shamra was dumbfounded too. As he said, Baba, what is this that you have done? From where have you sent this unwanted peril? Now you yourself must avert it. However, seeing the grave danger of the situation, each one picked up whatever came to hand and ran forward noiselessly. And even as they moved, they saw the snake slowly gliding down Mirikar's waist. To them it appeared to be no sling, but a calamity personified that seemed to be climbing down. The eclipse cleared in no time, as the snake came down the cudgels in raised hands came crashing down heavily on the reptile, cutting it into pieces. Seeing the danger averted in this way, Mirikar was overcome with emotion, love for Saina uh, overflowed in his heart. The tremor of pain subsided and the tears of love flowed freely from the eyes. Oh, what a terrible calamity was averted and how did Baba know about it? The great danger was overcome indeed and what a timely warning Baba gave. He sent Shama for my assistance, making him sit in the Tonga in spite of me saying no. Truly his heart simply overflows with compassion and what intuitive knowledge he has. Knowing the bad times ahead, he gave the proper advice. He revealed the great power of his darshan and the importance of the mosque was impressed upon the minds. Through his leela, he revealed his love for the devotee most effortlessly. Listen now to what Nana Dengale, a great astrologer with Srimanta Bhutti once said to Bhutti. Today is the most inauspicious day for you, for there is a great danger for you. But have courage in your heart and be very alert. When Dengale said this, Baba became very restless in the mind and kept on worrying. The, the day seemed so long. Later, as the usual time, Babu Sahib, Nana and all others sat out in the mosque and sat down with Baba. At once Baba asked Bhutti, and what does this Nana say? Is he all set to kill you and we need not be afraid? Let us see how he kills you. Tell him without any fear that he may kill you if he can. Just see the miracle that followed after this conversation. In the evening, when Babu Sahib had gone for the preview of toilet, a snake had crept in there at that time. Seeing this terrible obstruction, Bapu Sahib came out at once. His servant Lahanu thought that he would kill the snake with a stone. As he was about to pick up the stone, Bapu Sahib restrained him saying, Go get a stick instead. Hurry in such a manner, it's not good. But even as the servant went for the stick, the snake began to climb up the wall, lost his balance and suddenly fell down gliding out of the hole. From there, then he went away. Thus there now remained no reason to kill him. Bhutti remembered Baba's words and marveled at Baba's way of averting the danger, both to himself and the snake. He who has been fortunate enough to see with his own eyes the glorious pageant of Sai's association with his devotees will never be able to forget it. But by giving many such example experiences, he attracted the heart of the devotees. Space will not be enough if all these experiences were described. Such descriptions have no end and now listen to another incident which actually happened in the Chaudi at about 1 o'clock that night and right in front of Baba. In Kopargaon Taluka, there is a place called Korali 
which was a village of Watan, of one Amir Shakkar, who had a great devotion for Sai Baba. Born a butcher, his occupation was that of a middleman and he was quite well known in Bandra. He was afflicted with a serious disease which left him severely debilitated. When afflictions come, God is remembered at once. Give him all the toil and botheration attendant upon his business, winding up all his transactions, he raced down to Shirdi. Kunti, the mother of five Pandavas, though she suffered numerous hardships, when she lived in concealment and in the forest, she yet prayed to God for more difficulties. O God Almighty, she said, give happiness to those who ask for it, but to me give as always a succession of hardships. Let me not forget to take your name. This is my only request. And you will give, give me only this so that your name will become a lasting ornament to my throne. O listeners, and this narrator too, let us ask of Sai this and this alone. Let us never forget your name and give us refuge at your feet. And so Amir made obeisance and kissed Baba's hand with his attendant rituals. He described in detail his malady and paid for liberation from pain and sufferings. He asked Baba for a remedy for rheumatism that he had afflicted him. Baba replied, Go and sit quietly in the Saudi. Now, uh, Kunti's case is the same case as any other sage who would be there. You know, sages normally don't ask for any such thing as a gift from God. They don't say, Cure me. They will never even ask for any cure of any sort. The reason being, it is a constant reminder, it is like that sword, what, what you call the Democles' sword, it is sword on top of your head, you know, it is standing over there and if you move here and there, it is going to fall on you. So this sword is always there, kept on top of your head so that you remember the name of God. And you will find that Ramakrishna Paramahansa also suffered till the very end. He did not allow Ma to remove the afflictions from him. Why? Because these afflictions, if they remain, you will constantly remember the name of God. You may say this is a very funny method of, you know, very bad or a, you know, sadistic method or masochistic method of trying to remember God. But this is exactly how it is done. See, everybody is, the whole world is asking for peace, happiness, love, this, that, everything good, good, good and good only. Nobody says, give me all the troubles in the world. Can, how many people can ask for troubles? Do you think you will say, God, I want all the troubles in the world, give me all the troubles. Nobody wants it. Everybody will say, give me all the goodness in the world. So the trouble says, only those people can handle it, who are able to remember the name of God. So that is the reason why Kunti asked for it. The Saudi, when Baba went for the mosque, every alternate night was the dwelling place for Amir. Amir who was tormented by rheumatic pains would hard, happily have stayed anywhere else in the village. He would even have gone back to Korale, any other place would have suited him fine. As for this Saudi, it was ancient, literally from the time of Malik Ambar, Diwan of Ahmadnagar from 1597, and was quite worn out and decayed from above and from below. Chameleons, lizards, scorpions and snakes lived them fear, lived there freely. Moreover, there lived lepers in that place and so did dogs feasting on the leavings and the fragments of food. Amir felt very sad, but before Baba, no arguments prevailed. The rear portion of the Chaudi was filled with deb debris. There were numerous potholes, some knee-deep. The misery was worse than dog's wretchedness. Truly, it was as a fruitless journey of life. Rain leaking from above, dampness and moisture in the ground below, unleveled, the place was full of ups and downs and hollows. To add to everything, the wind and the cold played havoc. 
In this mind, Amir was greatly worried. The joint of his body had become stiff with all the exposure to wind and rain, which left behind a constant dampness in the place. The only medicine was Baba's word. That is what is called faith. To him, Baba had said firmly, There may be rain, there may be dampness, there may be ups and downs and big hollows, but think nothing of them. There may have been doubts, but he considered Sai's company as his greatest blessings, and Sai's words were his only medicine, so he stayed happily. For full nine months, Amir Shakkar stayed on that Saudi, having spread out his bed in the middle of the room, right in front of you as you climbed up the stairs of Saudi. Rheumatism had taken a firm foot root in his body and at least outwardly the remedy seemed just the opposite of what it should be. But the faith within was staunch and unwavering, due to which everything turned out to be alright. Amir had been ordered to stay there for nine months. Going to the mosque for darshan was forbidden too. But that Saudi was a place allotted to him where he used to get Baba's darshan automatically without an effort. And that darshan too he was he had daily morning and evening. On every alternate day twice in that day he would watch the festive ceremony at the Saudi to his heart's content. When Baba went to collect arms every morning his route was past the Saudi. So while coming and going his darshan was easily available to him without even having to leave the place. Similarly, every day in the evening, Baba would come before the Saudi and would stand engrossed in saluting all the direction by shaking his head and the index fingers. From there, he would then go back to the corner of Samadhi Mandir and from thence, he would return to the mosque accompanied by the devotees. I don't know how many of you have seen uh, Riyananda Swami doing this. He stands in every corner over there shaking his hands and uh, you know fingers and saying something. He goes to every corner of the building okay, and puts all the goddesses over there to sleep. And then he will come back to his room and he has to tell a story. You have seen the bed, no? Okay, in that bed the, the Devi sleeps over there. And he has to tell her every day she wants one story from Baba. And she, he, he has to tell her that. And it is like that. It's always a very beautiful way of looking at that. One day I had the opportunity, I was sitting till very late in the night over there. I saw him going and doing all those things. It was a very strange sight, but it was really worth it. So. Hmm. He would go to Saudi every alternate night, where only a nominal partition of the door of the wooden plank stood between the two of them, and both were very fond of talking. Puja, Arati, etc. took place there itself, after which the devotees went home. Thereafter, both of them would talk to each other leisurely. Confinement though it was outwardly, the enjoyment of the close association with Sai was a gain, which is hard to get without a good fortune. And yet Amir was bored. To say confined in that one place all the time was to him an imprisonment. He felt that he wanted to go away to some other place. So fond of his freedom, how could he like such dependence? Oh, enough of this confinement rose a strong urge in Amir's mind. Without Baba's permission, he set out abandoning his appointed place. He went to Kopargaon and stayed in a Dharmashala. And now see the marvel that took place. A fakir on the threshold of death was dying of thirst and entreated for a draught of water to drink. Moved by compassion, Amir went to give him some water. The moment he drank it, the body of the fakir fell on the ground, lifeless, there and then. He was dead. No one was around. Moreover, it was night. Amir's mind grew confused and agitated. In the morning there will be inquest and people will be arrested in con connection with the sudden death. Government will hold an inquiry and if the tr truth be told, who will at once believe it is so? The judgment will depend on witnesses and evidences such is the procedure of law. 
I myself gave him water and the fakir all of a sudden lost his life. If I were to tell the truth, I myself will be caught quite easily. Seeing my direct involvement in this, they will catch me first. Later on, when the real cause of death is determined, I will be acquitted. But the interim period before it is determined will become unbearable with suffering. So thinking, he decided at once to go back the same way he came. So thinking, Amir set out from there in that very night. On the way, he was uneasy in the mind that anyone might see him, and so kept looking back in every step that he looked forward. How could he make it to the Savdi? For till then, his mind would not be at rest. With so much misgiving in the mind, Amir proceeded towards city. Said he to himself, "Baba, what is this that you have done? What sin of mine is visiting upon me? And it is my own karma that I am paying for this. This I know fully well." To seek happiness, I left the Saudi. Hence, you have punished me. But now, please relieve my pain and suffering and take me to Shirdi safely. We are all used to these kind of things, you know. We break some article, when we look here and there, and we put it back together again and run away from there. I mean, we have done this since we are child, children, you know. We are so much used to it. We'll break something, we'll drop something, we'll do something, and we'll put it back together again and run away from there. It is important that you follow a certain set of instructions that are given, and they have to be followed to the T. Even one little portion of it is is not listened to, it can cause a lot of problems. So, if an instruction has been given, go and sit in the chawdi for nine months. It means that you are not supposed to come out of that place. You can go and stay over there at that particular place. So, understand this: the Guru's instructions. Have to be followed to the T. So the reason being because you have been put over there for a specific purpose. How do you know what the purpose is? And nobody is going to tell you what the purpose is going to be. So you have been given a specific instruction, and the instructions are very very important, and they need to be followed. And understand this: it is if the instruction is given today, it does not mean that the fruit is going to come today only. No, when the time is right, it is going to happen. But till that time, you have to continue to do that alone. Okay? Amir packed up in no time and leaving that corpse there in that dharma shala at night, set out in the same night with Baba Baba on his lips all the time, entreating his forgiveness. When he reached the Saudi at last, his mind was at rest. Thus Amir left his lesson. But Amir, thus Amir learnt his lesson. From then onwards, he made a firm resolve and abandoning wicked, evil ways, <coughs> began to follow the path of righteousness. His faith cured him, and he became free from rheumatic pain. Now just listen to what took place later on. The Saudi was divided into only three parts. The southeast quarter was Baba's seat, walled on all the four sides by wooden planks. Baba used to sleep there. The whole night lamps were kept burning, for he always slept in the light of the lamps. On the outer side, in the darkness, sat fakir, bairagis, and beggars. Amir was treated at, as one among them. There used to be other people around who would also be lying down in that same place. Of these, there are many. Imagine a person who is quite rich. Staying in Bandra, okay. Who is uh, who is basically a dalal? I mean, he was. Uh, you remember what was mentioned about him? He is an agent, and uh, he is also from the Kasai Kana, uh, person who is involved in cut, cutting of animals. So he is quite well to do. So and yet he has been told go and sleep in in between the lepers and all those people over there. What would be the state of that person's ego? <laughs> It would be completely, you know, demolished. You can't even think in those terms. Okay, go and sit near all the beggars sitting over there. How does it sound? It sounds very, very strange. <laughs> so think about it. 
So Amir was treated one among them. <laughs> there behind Baba's seat where all the stores and miscellaneous things are kept, Baba's most detached and faithful devotee Abdul was in person, ever ready to render services. On one occasion at around midnight, Baba suddenly called out to Abdul saying, Just see a ghost stands at my bedside. Called upon call, call upon call, he gave to Abdul, who came there at once with a light in his hand. Baba said to him loudly, But it was here just now. Abdul said, I have looked everywhere, but I can find nothing here. Baba said, Look carefully everywhere, keeping your eyes wide open. Abdul looked again and again. Baba, Baba began striking the ground with his baton. All the people sleeping outside woke up to see what had happened. Amir Shakkar woke up too saying, Oh, what is this wild shouting, this vehemence today? And why this repeated stroke of the baton at this unearthly hour of the night? Seeing this, Baba's leader Amir at once understood in his mind that a snake must have entered somewhere and Baba had come to know of it. He had much experience of Baba's ways. He knew Baba's nature and the manner of talking, so he understood everything. When dangers stalked close to the devotee, Baba would say it stood at his own side. Amir knew this language, so in his own mind he at once drew the inference. Suddenly at his own bedside he saw something wriggling. Abdul bring bring the lamp over here first. Amir cried out. As soon as the lamp was bought, he saw the huge expanse of the coiled snake who dazed by the light was moving his head up and down. The snake was led to rest there itself. They thanked Baba profusely saying, what a strange way of alerting the devotees indeed. What ghost and what light. It was only an ingenious device to warn his devotees of the imminent danger and to protect them from it. There were innumerable such instances about snake in Baba's story which can be narrated. And they have been briefly narrated here only to avoid expanding the book. Snakes, scorpions, they are all Narayana, says the saint to Karam. But they should be bowed to from far. These are also his words. See, these are very important words. You are not supposed to go near a snake. If somebody is an evil person, you are not supposed to go and say, Hello, hello, how are you? It's not important. Please don't go and tease that person. Okay? So <laughs> you look at the snake and go away from there. There are so many snakes in our own lives, you know. So don't don't tease them, don't even talk, you know, don't even try to go and uh, shake them up and say, Hello sir, how are you? No, no need. Please, don't do that. So Tukaram Maharaj had said these words. Moreover, he also called them unrighteous and hence he says, they should be dealt with with one's slippers. That means that one does not really know with any certainty how they should be treated. The truth of the matter here is, as is one's nature, one's destiny, so is his karma or action. Remember these words. These are very very important words. The truth of the matter here is, as is one's nature. What is the nature of a snake? A snake's nature is to bite. Isn't it? And remember the story of... Narad Muni and the snake. Okay. So he tells the snake, see it's in your nature to bite. But it is also in your nature to hiss. So hiss if you want to. Why are you taking all the beating? And that is the reason why a person never forgets his own nature. If you are used to anger, if you are used to uh, getting very wild you know, and calling out names and all. Even when you die you are going to be like that only. Nothing in this world is ever going to change for you sir. No way. So if you are used to, you know, punctuating your sentence, what la, yes la, what la. So I am sorry you are going to keep on saying la la all your life. All the Singaporean people say la. <laughs> so it's your nature. So if it is one's nature, it's one's destiny also. You are destined for that particular nature, that particular form for that reason. That means if you are a snake, you have been destined to be a snake. For your own destiny is made you that. 
Now, so is the karma or the action. See, think about it. What is the nature of uh, the snake? Snake eats very small rodents and all. Okay? Do you know that? Uh, they, these foxes and wolves are there. You know what they do? They always run behind these uh, hooves of the animals. Have you seen the hooves of these uh, very large animals like a cow or a buffalo and all that when they are walking these wolves are running after them. You know why do they run? They run after them because the hooves when they bang 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 on the ground the, the tiny rodents come out of the ground and these people get their food. So they catch the rodents and they eat them. All these wolves and foxes and all that. So they will, they are not going behind these animals to eat them. They are actually following their legs like this, like this. They look down and they follow their legs. Because when the leg hits the ground, a very tiny toad will come up or maybe a tiny, a small rat will come up or some, some creature will come up with these foxes and hounds, you know, they will catch it and they will eat it up. So this is a nature's way. So every person has been made in a particular way. It is his nature. Now suppose if you have somebody in your house who just keeps on jabbering, jabbering, jabbering. You think till the end of life that person is not going to jabber? Of course the person is a jabber mouth. He is going to keep on jabber vocati, okay, all the time. Suppose somebody is used to giving galis all the time. You think that the galis will not come? Even when the person is dying, he will still be giving galis. So understand, this is their nature, they will never change. So don't bother about changing that particular nature. Because it's their karma, it is their action, this is how they are. But if you are going, giving them tutu mai mai, like you know, if that person is barking and you also want to bark, what is the difference between you and that person? If that fellow is a kutta, you are also a kutta, isn't it? Right or wrong? So never do that. You are not that. You stay out of it. Baba, however, has only one answer for this question. All living beings, he said, are equal and therefore non-violence towards all is the one common rule. Whether it be scorpion or a snake, God dwells in all alike. And so when he does not will it so, can they harm anyone? This whole universe is controlled by God. Nothing here is independent of his will. Such is Baba's knowledge based on experience. But still our baseless offensive conceit will not leave us. A scorpion that has fallen in a tank rolls and tosses in the struggle to come out, but sinks nevertheless to the bottom of the tank. Seeing this, one claps gleefully, saying, You also torment others similarly. At the sound of the clap, another comes running into the tank and seeing the drowning scorpion sinking and rising repeatedly is moved by compassion. This is not compassion. This is absolute stupidity. So don't think it is compassion. Okay? Going near him, he then catches the scorpion firmly between his thumb and the forefinger and the scorpion, true to his nature, springs back in retaliation and stings the little finger. Of what use is all the knowledge here? We are all together in the power of another. God is the giver of disposition and whatever he wills will happen. So understand this. The moment you think that you are the great compassionate person and trying to mediate between people, you are going to fall into a big ditch. So see, there is a scorpion which has fallen down. Don't try to remove the scorpion with your fingers. Okay? Alright? So don't you ever try that type of stuff. It's a scorpion. Remember, his, his nature is to sting you. So every person has a particular nature and that nature they can never change. So don't you try to, you know, try to save some snakes and stuff like that. Alright? So always be careful. 
For what use is all the knowledge here? We are all together in the power of another. God is the giver of disposition and whatever he wills will happen. Varied are the experiences of various people. I will also narrate my own experience here. Baba's words must be respected to keep implicit faith, trust in him. For it is only through such firm faith that the greatness and the glory can be experienced. Kaka Sahib Dikshit used to read Nath Bhagwat during the day and similarly every night he used to read without fail Bhavartha Ramayana of Eknath Maharaj. He may forget to fall offer flowers to God, may even forget to bathe, may forget all the rules and disciplines, but it is impossible that he should ever forget the appointed time for reading. Both these books are by Eknath and contains the essence of spirituality. It is truly the mark of Sai Samar's grace bestowed on Dikshit. In these unparalleled absorbing books, there burns the ethereal threefold flame of self-knowledge, renunciation and accord of righteous behavior forever. These are the three things that are needed for a person to reach the state of divine. Self-knowledge, the knowledge about the self, renunciation. A person has to be completely renounced. He is a renunciate. Renunciate means you are not bothered about the action and the reactions and yes, no likes, dislikes, nothing, nothing, nothing. Okay. And a code of righteous behavior. Righteous behavior is very, very important. You are supposed to follow the righteous behavior. Okay. Just because you have reached the state of realization, you are not supposed to become a Ravana. That's not your job. Okay. The fortunate ones to whose lips comes a glass of nectar sweet spiritual instructions will have at once overcoming the threefold afflictions and moksha will come rolling at his feet. Dikshit was to a great listener to the reading and by Sai's grace I have the opportunity to listen to the Bhagavad. It was a great boon to me. I started going day and night to listen to the sacred stories. By my good fortune it was the beginning of the series of listening sessions which sanctified my ears. And so on one such night while these highly purifying tales were being read out a strange thought though minor incident took place. Listeners who oh, listen or oh, listeners to the tale. What can I do while narrating one story, another story, another suddenly comes to my mind in the middle of it. And knowing how worthy it is for being heard, how can I disregard it? An interesting story from the Ramayana was in progress. Although Hanuman had on his own recognized the true mark of Sri Ram that his mother had told him about, he wanted to put his Swami's power to test and ended up by beginning bringing upon himself a great calamity. A merest brush of the air from the feathers of Ram's arrow sent him spinning round and round in the sky until in extreme agony he began to grasp a bear. His father Vayu then came upon the scene. Taking his advice, Hanuman then surrendered to Sri Ram. While this part of the story was being narrated, just see what a strange thing happens. The listener's attention was fully engrossed in listening to the story when a scorpion, a disaster personified, appeared on the screen, was seen one knows not how. What interest he found in the story one wonders, but without the least awareness on my part he jumped onto my shoulders, hiding there securely and savouring the sweetness of the tale. Even here I experienced Baba's protection, for I had not noticed anything, but he who is attentive to the Harikatha will be protected by Hari himself. Casually my eyes turned in that direction only to find a terrible scorpion sitting happily on my Oparna that rested on my right shoulder. No wriggling, no movement, he sat there quietly like an attentive listener, who is carefully listening to the story from his own seat. Even if he had moved his tail even so slightly with a natural instinct, he would have given me no peace causing great anxiety. Story of Rama was be becoming more and more interesting and the narrator, the listeners were all completely absorbed in it, when everything would have been completely spoiled by such a dangerous wicked creature. 
But such is the power of Ram Katha that dangers and calamities become powerless before it, forgetting their natural tendencies and become at peace. It was Ram's grace that I thought of throwing away softly the dangerous creature and not to trust his capricious nature till the situation got out of hand. So very carefully I caught hold of the two sides of the uparna that I was wearing, rolling up the scorpions securely within and taking it to the garden and spread it out. By nature, a scorpion is terrible and may at times behave according to his natural instinct. Such was my fear and yet very firm and resolute on Baba's command, so I dared not kill it. Here the listeners may ask naturally, is, is not a scorpion treacherous and therefore deserved to be killed? If he stings, it is going to be bring any pleasure? One wonders why it should not be killed. Snakes, scorpions and other venomous creatures may never be neglected by anyone. Why will Baba ask them to be let off? This doubt rises into the listeners. Raised by the listeners is a very real one. A miser has the same doubt. But listen to Baba's words. On one such occasion in the past, it was a question far more difficult than this. Once in Shirdi, a Kaka's Bada, at in Kaka's Bada, a terrible snake was discovered near the window on the upper story. He had entered the room from the hole below the window frame. His eyes were dazed by the light of the lamp as he soiled, saw, sat coiled up there. Although he was dazed by the lamp light, he was bewildered by the human presence. The noise and the confusion startled him and for a moment he lay very still. He would move neither forward nor backward, but only moved his head up and down. Then there started a great hustle and bustle, each one thinking of the best way to kill him. Some picked up batons, some sticks were hurried at once. The place where he sat was narrow and awkward and their minds were very greatly exercised greatly. Had he made but one swift movement to glide down the wall, he would have landed himself straight into the stool of my bedding, and that would be have been my greatest peril. Moreover, if the blows aimed at the most vital spot of the body were missed, he would have forever nursed a deep hatred and caused untold harm. As the lamp was brought closer to inspect his hiding place properly, the snake seized the opportunity to escape. The time had not yet come for him to die, and our luck was also great. Although the movement was fatal, Baba protected us. Swiftly he glided away the way he had entered, thereby making himself and us free from fear to our mutual relief. Muktaram then got up saying, Poor creature, it was well that he escaped, for he had not slipped away from the hole, he would have lost his life. Muktaram's compassionate attitude made me feel very sad at heart. What is the use of compassion towards the wicked? How can the world go on like this? Muktaram comes here only once in a while, whereas we sit here morning and evening. My bedding is near the window and hence I did not like Muktaram's remarks. He put forth this argument at the beginning. I argued from the opposite point of view replying to the argument. The debate raged and the final result remained inconclusive. One said, the snake should be killed. It should not be delayed even for a moment. The other said, why hate an innocent creature? One said, one side rejected Muktaram's argument indignantly. One side advocated my views. The debate gathered momentum, but there was no end to it inside. Muktaram went, then went down. I changed my place, plugged that hole and spread out my bedding to sleep. Drowsiness crept, crept over my eyes, people too went to sleep. I began to yawn and the discussion came to an end on its own. The night over, we finished our morning ablutions. Baba also returned from the land and people gathered in the mosque. As usual, I came to the mosque at the usual time. Muktaram and others had come to and took their own places. Somebody was crushing the tobacco in the palm of the hand. Somebody else was filling Baba's clay pipe. Somebody was pressing his hands and feet. In this way, they were serving Baba in some way or the other. Baba knew everybody's thought. He then asked in a low voice, What was that controversy going on in the Vada last night? I then told Baba what had happened. And in the same order that I asked whether one should kill or not kill the snake under these circumstances. Baba had only one thing to say. Whether it's a snake or a scorpion, God dwells in all of them. So love them all. God is the controller of the world. 
and everyone acts according to his command even if be a snake or a scorpion he will not act contrary to his command hence have love and compassion for all the creatures give up rashness and have patience and forbearance god is the protector of all in this way how many of the innumerable stories of sai baba can be narrated and the listeners must first take the essence from them all the next chapter is even more interesting as it will bring out the rare combination of devotion and staunch faith when his great devotee dikshit has to face difficult situation as he got ready to kill a goat in deference to the baba's command we'll be to all here ends the 22nd chapter of sri sai samarth satcharit called averting accidental death of devotees as inspired by the saints and the virtuous and composed by the devotee hemad pant so very interesting tale where he is being told that he is not supposed to kill now that is something which is not there in your hands you know whether you have to kill somebody or not to kill somebody many years ago what had happened was i used to always sleep out in the open our house was on a graveyard there were huge number of graves over there they were from the british times and um, the area was reclaimed by the indian government and it was sold to us so we had built a house on top of the graveyard and i used to sleep outside in the open this is a place near lonavla called karla now every day snakes and scorpions used to come over there but i was you know sleeping on that khatla as you call it in a khatia khatia i was sleeping on top of it and nobody ever came to disturb me next to me there was one person who used to sleep now he was very very old man and he looked exactly like sai baba okay but he used to have one one we used to call him potla potla means just below the stomach he will tie a thing you know Okay nowadays you get ready made you go to all these adidas and other stores you get that you know small pouch over there so he had made a potla with all those you know rags and uh, like as usual you know we used to sleep one day early in the morning i remember at 4 o'clock or 5 o'clock i got up and early morning the, there used to be very nice you know breeze blowing and all that and little sun you know, that uh, that morning twilight is there So his name was Topia. Now Topia was removing his bed, and when he did like this, five six scorpions fell out of it. <laughs> so and they were huge ones. Okay, I told him Topia, Topia, look at this. There are so many scorpions over there. He says that is nothing. Let me open my portal and show you. <laughs> and from inside his clothes, another five six of scorpions fell out. I was amazed at looking at this man, and I said, "How can you sleep with the scorpions like this? Nothing happens to you." He said, "No, nothing happens to me. You know why? Because I don't do anything to them. Why will they do anything to me? And they find warmth in my body, so they sleep with me." So this is this was one of the very beautiful experiences of my life which I had. So you know, we have to always take the example like this.